Hi, I'm Judy Frazier, president and founder of We The Kids. We The Kids puts God back into America's history. Listening to We The Kids radio show will inspire you and your kids to have a positive American identity, clear direction, and a powerful purpose for your life. Thank you for listening. Welcome to We The Kids Radio Show for kids from 8 to 108. I am Arch Hunter, a father, a husband, and an historian. And I'm Lydia Nuttall, a mom and executive board member for We The Kids and author of Forgotten American Stories, Celebrating America's Constitution. And later on in the show, we're going to hear from the We The Kids Liberty Players. The mission of We The Kids is to put God back into America's stories to help American kids be proud to be an American, to love and defend America's Constitution, and learn the principles of freedom that establish unprecedented freedom in our country so that they can preserve freedom in America. And that is so important. That's why we're doing this show. So we're glad you're listening. And today's American story, did everyone who came to America want to come? Because if you remember in our previous shows, millions of immigrants came to America and still hundred thousands are coming every year. Why were they so willing to leave their native land, their native language, their roots, their family, their home, their culture, their job? Why did they leave everything and want to come to America? Simplified, it's one word. Opportunity. Opportunity for a better life, for religious and political freedom, to own their own land, to work and to prosper, to send their kids to school, to live in peace and believe that they're making a better life for the future of their children. But what about the women, children and men who were captured in other countries, brought to America and sold as slaves and indentured servants? What's the difference between why so many came as immigrants and the indentured servants and slave trade? So, Lydia, please. Well, one of the things that I learned that I didn't realize, um, and maybe I learned it in school and just forgot it, but when I was doing the research for the Forgotten American Stories Celebrating America's Constitution, is that... Yes, we were part of the slave trade. We participated in the slave trade, but we weren't the only country that did it. Unfortunately, the enslavement of men, women, and children in the early history of America wasn't a unique practice. Slavery had been commonly practiced by all races throughout the history of the world. You think of Egypt and Africa, China did it, Assyria did it, Babylonia, India, Greece, the Celtic tribes of Europe, the Roman Empire practiced slavery, even the indigenous people of the Americas all enslaved others and sometimes their, their own people. 
It's estimated that by the early 1800s, three quarters of the population of the world were in some form of bondage, such as serfdom or slavery. And serfdom, if you remember, that's where you, wasn't it arch where if you were serf, you kind of belonged to the ruler. You were his subjects and you worked his land and paid him taxes or, or whatever you grew. You know, if you were a farmer, you paid your taxes in crops or herds, animals, etc. Wasn't that what a serf was? Yes, and you were controlled by the lord of that particular geographical location. You so, were under their control to do everything that they wanted you to do, even fighting for that lord in that particular part of the land. Yeah, so not a whole lot of freedom there, not a whole lot of liberty for those people. So, yeah, there were Africans who were shipped across the Atlantic Ocean, sold as slaves in America. But something I also learned was that there were Irish Catholics, as well as English orphans and vagrants and dissidents and prisoners of war that were also shipped to the Americas against their will by the British. And they were sold as slaves. And that uh, of these men and women and children that were enslaved between the early 1500s and about mid-1800s, a majority of them were sold to the sugar colonies in the Caribbean islands and to countries throughout Central America, to Brazil, to many Spanish-speaking countries of South America, as well as to America itself. So this is... What a pandemic! <laughs> well, let me, you know? let me ask you. Let me ask you a question because I think a lot of Americans, when we think of slavery, we don't think that it was brought here, and we don't really think of the the history of slavery. Why is it important to understand, as wrong as we know slavery is, that it was inherited in the colonies? It wasn't started here. Well, because we were, and this is something that we forget. We used to be ruled by the King of England here in America. This was not called America. This was called British America. We belonged, we were an extension of the British Empire, right? Am I on the right track? Correct, So, yeah. So England, Great Britain, practiced slavery back in the day. So since we were an arm or extension of Great Britain, you know, we did too, because we were part of that country. We were ruled by King George III when we decided, you know what, enough of this. We want our independence. And that's what's amazing about the Declaration of Independence. It boldly declared to the rest of the world that all men are created equal and that all men are endowed by their, and this men, mankind, which includes women, are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, such as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, we were one of the first countries to actually declare that principle as the beginning of our new nationhood, so to speak. That's what we believed. I don't know of another country that actually has their foundation of the formulation of their country or their nation's beginning, their creation, that they were built on that principle of a creator that created all of us. Hence, we're all created equal and we're all given certain rights by that creator. And there are many of them, but to list the three most important that the Declaration of Independence states, declares, are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. So we formally declared it to the whole entire world, hey, this is what we're about. And this is one of the reasons why we want separation from Great Britain, because we believe this principle. 
And would you share with our listeners, what is the difference between a slave and an indentured servant that we saw for several years in, in early in American history in the colonization? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, and correct me or steer the ship too, but an indentured servant was someone who, for instance, if I was in England or some other country across the Atlantic Ocean from America and wanted to come to America but didn't have money to come to America, I would find someone that would be willing to pay for my trip to America and in exchange there'd be a contract between me and the person that paid for my expenses to come to America where I would work for them for a period of a certain amount of years. I think typically it's kind of like seven years, which is kind of a long time. Um, but you know, that was a contract between, I still had the freedom to enter that contract. So I would work for that person. Often those indentured servants were really treated horribly. They were treated like slaves. They worked with the slaves. They got their beatings like the slaves. They were fed what the slaves were fed. Their living conditions were just like those that were came to America without that contract. So their status was sometimes just like the slaves. Um, but so there were some slaves that also had really good owners who didn't treat them horribly, who tried to treat them the best they could, you know, treat them with more dignity than others, just as they were indentured servants that worked for those who treated them well also. So you've got, you know, it depends on who's got the control. If they're good people and believed that those indentured servants or those that were enslaved were also God's creations, you know, were brothers and sisters, then they had a tendency to treat them better than others that just felt like they were lower than pond scum or or whatnot. And we see, Lydia, that the slave trade, it goes all the way back to the one that we know of as Americans. It goes all the way back into the 1400s with actually we see Portugal being the first country that began the process of slave trade. And then we see Spain do it and England do it and then France do it. And so in the 1400s, it started. Why then is it such more of a brilliant idea when you just talked about when we get to the Declaration of Independence 300 years later, that our founding fathers put in that, that all men are created equal. How significant is that statement when we see the slave trade going on for 300 years all throughout Europe and then coming to the first colony in Jamestown? Well, it's kind of revolutionary, you think? I mean... <laughs> what other country stated that, declared it? And, and then it kind of started the ball rolling in America towards the eventual emancipation of the slaves to outlying slavery through the amendment process. So once we declared it as a principle upon which we're founded, it got the ball rolling to the point where, for instance, 11 years after we declared independence from Great Britain in the Declaration of Independence, then we established the United States Constitution, where there were 55 state delegates at the Constitution Convention that agreed their states would stop future importation of slaves to the United States by January 1st, 1808. And you can find that in Article 1, Section 9 of the United States Constitution. So that was another step. Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to set a deadline where we're 
we're not going to continue to import slaves. We'll still have slaves, but, you know, we had to go through a weaning process. I mean, we had to figure out a different way of economy that was independent of the slave trade or slavery altogether. And that, that's a huge process. It, it can't just happen overnight. It would be like me saying to you, Arch, I know you're a golfer. and Arch loves to golf. So it would be like me, you know, when, when you learned how to golf, did you just automatically pick up your clubs and start getting holes in one? <laughs> I wish it was. I wish it was that easy. So you had to go through a series of steps, right? Correct. To yes. get to that point. And America did also. And so we took that step again with the Constitution that said, hey, as of January 1st, 1808, no more importation of slaves. And then later on in 1863, the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation progressed us another step forward towards the future eradication of slavery. And again, that was 1863. So that's where we then, during the Civil War, if you remember the Gettysburg Address with Abraham Lincoln, stated again those principles of equality. The Gettysburg Address affirmed those principles of equality and again progressed America towards the abolition of slavery. And then finally, at the conclusion of the, of the American Civil War, which was in 1865, the worldwide practice of slavery was legally prohibited in the United States of America. Let me ask you a question. The Gettysburg Address was November 19th of 1863. The founder of We the Kids is Judy Frazier. Is it true that she was actually at Gettysburg when Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address? (laughs) Or is that that a rumor? If she could talk right now, I'm sure she'd call foul play, not fair. She can't defend herself because it's just you and me on this show. But yeah, you know, I I heard rumors, too, that you were there back in the day as well. Of course, I wasn't born until 1965, which is 100 years later after you guys. Well, let me ask you you a serious question, Lydia. The Declaration of Independence, you know, that we're endowed by our creator— In the long run, when slavery was finally abolished in America, was it more because of more people understood that we have rights from our creator or was it more of an economic issue that finally slavery was outlawed? Goodness gracious. Or could it be both? Okay, I will guess because I don't know for sure. I would say both, definitely economic and economic decision. I mean, it impacted our economy greatly. Uh, But I would also like to think as men and women turn their hearts to God and realize we are all his children. And that's even something for us to ponder even now in our day and would help the status of our nation right now when it comes to the discord or disharmony or or whatnot between different groups of people for whatever reason is to remember, hey, that person, even though he or she is a different political party than me or a different skin color than me or speaks a different language than I do or believes in a different religious philosophy or theology than I do, we are still all God's children. That person is still my brother. That person is still my sister. And one of my favorite pictures that I love from the Civil War era 
is that picture. It's a black and white, and it looks like it was an engraving, but it's of an African-American man who is kneeling, and his hands are in front of him, linked together with chains, and he's like pleading or looking up into heaven. And he says, am I not, finish the rest of the thought, am I not something and a brother? Do you know the one I'm talking about? I'm sorry, I do not. Ah, that was driving me crazy. But I'll have to find out and report it in, in our next show. But in essence, pleading to all of us that, am I not your brother, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> because, which, you know, which, which I didn't know for a long time, actually Vermont. That was an independent republic was the first state, but before it was a state that outlawed slavery in 1777. And then we see Benjamin Franklin create the abolitionist society in Philadelphia after the revolution to begin to push uh, Pennsylvania towards abolishing slavery in the state. Uh, But does slavery still exist today, Lydia? Oh, I wish I could say, no, we've totally eradicated it. I know the 13th Amendment of our United States Constitution made it illegal for it. But unfortunately, we have something called human trafficking that is very much alive and well today. It's very discouraging. It's very horrible. A lot of women and children in particular are enslaved. It's it's modern day slavery for them and um, the pornography industry. (laughs) unfortunately thrives off of the human trafficking of women and young children. And it's very unfortunate. There are organizations that are out there, for instance, Operation Underground Railroad is one of them that I know of. The uh, man who created that, Timothy Ballard, is a Utah, and of course I'm here in Utah. So trying to free these children in particular who are caught in the human trafficking industry, but it's rampant all over. Mm. And unfortunately, the United States of America is one of the top when it comes to human trafficking. I wish it wasn't, but it is. Let me share with you a quote from one of our founding fathers, John Dickinson, and please respond to it. His quote is, let these truths be indiably impressed in our minds. One, that we cannot be happy without being free. Two, that we cannot be free without being secure in our property. And three, we cannot be secure in our property if without our consent, others may by right take it away. Oh, I love that. And here's why I love that is, yes, we can't be happy without being free. I don't even know of an animal that is happy being enslaved or put in a cage or whatever, you know, without freedom. It's just, if you're alive, you want freedom. And that's what made slavery horrible is because it was theft. Slavery is theft. It's stealing someone's life and their labor, right? Mm-hmm. And so what John Dickinson, who is a signer of the United States Constitution, was saying here is we can't be happy without being free and that we can't be free without having our own property, our own ability to keep what we work for and earn and that we have to be secure in that property. We have to make sure that government protects our rights to keep our property, keep our earnings, keep what we have And that we shouldn't have others, you know, others don't have the right to take that away. It's an unalienable right to be able to have your property, to be secure in our property. That's my take on that. What about you? 
And well, Lydia, you're reminding me again and again and again that we as Americans should never shy away from the history of our country, whether it's good or the major mistakes we have made. But where our difference is that we have the ability to correct our mistakes and not just cover them over. Ooh, love which, that. Which, which causes us to continue to progress in our culture and our society as our country, starting from the Declaration of Independence and seeing where we are today. Never shy away from the good things that our country has done and the bad things that our country has done. So we're able to correct them and continue to make our country better for the next generation. Love that. In essence, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Yes. Yep. <laughs> so we invite everyone from 8 to 108. So join us again on We The Kids radio show to hear more forgotten stories. Learn the principles of freedom so that we can all, whether we are 8 or 108, preserve our freedom. So something to ponder for our listeners. What really is liberty? What really is the opposite of liberty? What do you have the liberty to do now that you would miss if your liberty was taken away from you? Love that. Well, we also invite you to check out the We the Kids website. It's wethekids.us. That's where you can find additional stories, insights, and activities that you can do with your kids to help them be proud to be American and to love and defend America's Constitution. You can also send your family story to WTK at wethekids.us about how you and your relative came to America, and we'll post it on the We the Kids website. And don't forget, you can purchase Forgotten American Stories celebrating America's Constitution on wethekids.us website or on ForgottenAmericanStories.org. We want to thank you for supporting We The Kids. And now let's turn the time over to the We The Kids Liberty Players and see what they're up to. Hey, it's time for Billy Eagle and Colonel John. Well, hello again, Colonel. Well, Billy Eagle, it sure is nice to see you. I was just flying by, and I thought I'd land for a brief chat. My friends and I have been talking about different kinds of government, and one said, the best kind of government is a democracy. Is that right? Is that what we have in America? Not exactly. We sometimes call our form of government a democracy, but technically democracy comes from a couple of Greek words, demos, meaning people, and kratos, meaning ruler, meaning the people rule, and technically democracy is absolute majority rule that whatever the majority wants to do, they get to do. Our founders didn't intend a pure democracy. Rather, they intended to be a constitutional republic in which the majority generally runs things, but in which we have some things in practice to slow down the will of the majority. And also, we have certain protections for the rights of minority. For example, we have a court that can strike laws passed by Congress down as unconstitutional, even though they may reflect what the overwhelming majority of the people want. So we are sort of a democracy, but not a pure democracy. We call ourselves a constitutional republic. It's time for the We the Kids Liberty Players. I am one hungry wolf. What about you, Peter Wolf? I am famished, Robbie Wolf. It must be getting close to dinner time. Aren't you hungry, Lot of Lamb? I could eat. Of course, I've been grazing all day. Look at all this beautiful grass. What more could a lamb want? Well, I really don't feel like eating grass. I could go for some juicy chops. 
Wait, what? No. We have plenty of grass. I like grass. I say we take a vote. I vote chops. Sounds good. I vote chops, too. Well, I vote grass. This is good for you. It's high in fiber and low in calories. You wolves really ought to count your calories. I don't count calories. It puts me to sleep. But this isn't fair. Who said anything about being fair? This is a democracy. Oh, this is bad. So, what's wrong with pure democracy? Isn't it good that the majority rules and the majority of people make all the decisions? Generally, the majority should make decisions. For the most part, yes, we would support that, and that's the way it happens in this country most of the time. But let's suppose the majority wants to impose its will on the minority. Let's say that the majority wanted a rule that said only Protestants may hold religious services and Catholics may not. Or let's say it said that only Democrats can run for office and be elected and Republicans cannot. Or let's say they decide that we want a certain viewpoint, say on the question about the right to keep and bear arms. We will let people speak who support government control of firearms, but we won't let people speak who oppose it. No, I don't think we want absolute majority rule. We want some protection for the rights of the minority, too. And that's the problem with pure democracy, is it runs roughshod over the rights of the minority. Our system is designed to protect against that. So we need to let the majority rule, but we also need to protect the rights of minorities. How does our system of government do that? Well, our system is what we call a constitutional republic. First of all, if we want to pass a law, we don't just go to the House of Representatives. A law has to be passed by a majority of both houses, and only if both houses agree does this law get passed. And then the president can veto laws that Congress has passed, and if the president says, no, I will not sign that law, I veto it, then it can become law only if two-thirds of both houses of Congress decide to make it law. So they can override the president's veto. And then the court has the power to strike a law down as being unconstitutional, even though the people, the Congress, and the president all want that law. All of this is designed to make sure that we don't get too hasty about laws that a temporary majority may want, nor do we adopt laws that would violate the rights of the minority. It's time for the Week of Kids Liberty Players. I ate all but three of my jelly beans yesterday. I ate all but six of my jelly beans. I've been only eating one a day so I can make them last. I still have a hundred. No fair. You have way more than we do. I have an idea. I vote that we all pool our jelly beans and divide them equally. I vote for that too. That way, we all have an equal amount. Equal is fair. I vote against that idea. You guys ate your jelly beans and I've been saving mine. Why should you get mine too? You're just being selfish. Besides, it's two yes and one no. We win. That's not fair. Who said anything about being fair? This is a democracy. No, we're not. We're a constitutional republic, and I have property rights. You can't vote to take away my rights just because I'm in the minority. Oh, darn. I thought there was a good employment clause. Now, there are other protections here, too. For example, we have a free press that can criticize the government. We have church separate, and the church also can be a restraint on government power. We also have powers that are reserved to the state. So ours is not a pure democracy. It is a constitutional republic. And I think that's a good system. So America is a constitutional republic. I hope we can talk again soon so you can explain what that means. Well, 
Gotta fly. I don't want to make my mom sore. See you soon. We want to invite everyone from 8 to 108 to listen and please join us on We The Kids radio show and to hear more forgotten stories. Learn the principles of freedom that established unprecedented freedom in America so that we can all, whether we're 8 or 108, preserve our freedom. Mm-hmm.